0: And Reese McGuire steps into the box now, the base is juiced, uh, they are fully loaded. And you know that Reese McGuire's heart is pumping blood right now. He's got to be just throbbing with excitement, and the pitch comes in, and OH! He publicly jerked that one, he yanked it hard, deep into the right field bleachers with everyone watching. Wow, that's gotta be a load off McGuire's shoulders. You could feel that one building up in him all day now. I watched him spray his balls all over the place earlier today in BP, but he didn't seem as excited then as he does now that everybody is watching. All right. It's Wednesday, July 15th. The year is 2020. You are listening to Underdogs. My name is Jacob Eamon. With me is David Patrick Fleming. We watched baseball for the first time last night, so I know you're doing good, David. Don't tell me otherwise.
1: I just watched it. I didn't watch it last night, so it was awesome. Actual baseball happening right in front of my eyes. It's not from a season long ago. It's not from old-timey players. Actual baseball, actual players. Boom. Is it Christmas? <laughs> Is it Hanukkah? Because when that
0: music started, uh, the Sportsnet music, they, they got the intro going. They got the weird graphics of these buildings going. Dun, 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 dun. I was Can oh, <laughs> da, 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 da,
1: you hear Dan Shulman's voice kick in and you're like, Santa? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was giddy. That's, That's the thing that put it over the edge for me because, I mean, we watch these clips of Inner Squad and whatever, but to hear Dan Schulman and Joe Siddle talking about the game, to see Hazel May, to see the guys down there and, you know, you kind of move past the fact that some of them are wearing masks, there's nobody in the crowd, whatever, felt really good. I actually opened up a little bit and I realized that over this time, I've my interest in sports has been sort of compromise a little bit and when we're doing these shows you have to try to think about stuff to talk about and so maybe you you create conflict where conflict isn't there or you you know you dive into a topic and you just scrape around to see where you can go with it but then when I saw these players in front of me and I was reminded of how much I love them and how much I love this team it was uh really opened me up a bit
0: when Bo Bichette saw that pitch it just again it, it just fed into this feeling of, here we are. It's, it's the greatest day on earth. Baseball's back. Bo sees this pitch. and, and First pitch um, of the game. First pitch of the game. It's like, it's like they set it up for him. And that was my first thought, but then I was like, I don't know. Caleb Joseph, whoever this old man or new catcher is, is not telling Bo what's coming on the first pitch. Bo knows. I didn't, Bo just I knows. He
1: does just know, but I didn't think that it was a setup for him because I feel like Waggis Pack was looking at Bo like, Bo, I'm not ready. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to start you off a curveball. Not ready. And he just golfed it in the left field. <laughs> it was almost like Dan Shulman wasn't ready for it either because the ball was hit and he was like, hey, It's in the left field. It's gone. It's a home run. I was like, Wow. And what was weird about that because you watched the game last night and I didn't watch it again until this morning. And because you weren't texting me anything, I assume nothing remarkable happened, but that to me was remarkable. So it even surprised me. I was like, why didn't he tell me this happened?
0: Why would I ruin such a glorious moment for
1: you? <laughs> such a dead, quiet, pointless home run. What did you think of, of the piped in crowd noise? Let's start there. It's very faint. Um, I, I didn't get much from it. I didn't acknowledge it too many times. Um, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. For me, I'm I'm really indifferent about it. If it does something for the players, I'm all for it because that's what you want. You want their adrenaline to be up. You want it to maybe in an actual broadcast, they'll crank the sound a little bit. I'm not sure, but it didn't do much for me.
0: I found it just loud enough to be annoying, but quiet enough to not really do anything other than drown out drown out them talking which is what i wanted to hear and what i was like excited like what am i going to be able to you're hear? talking
1: about the players talking
0: yeah the players the managers all you can it's it, it seems about the same all you can really hear is the umpires calls
1: you're not hearing those players unless they're mic'd man there's no way it doesn't matter if they have crowd noise or not
0: you think yeah no. i guess
1: Unless they're screaming, you know, like an umpire screams to strike calls. If they're if they're speaking at that level, then you might hear something. But I think even if it was a dead quiet stadium, you're not hearing what those guys are saying.
0: Yeah, one of the only times I heard a player was uh, when Vladdy made. I, I think it was when he, he wanted made to the... go to replay. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Vladdy made a play and he tossed it to Ken Giles to get the out after he made that dive, and yeah. you could just hear Ken Giles like yelling or praising Vladdy. That was a nice play by Vladdy. It was a nice play, but the first at-bat was very frustrating, right? To get one pitch ground out to second, you, you know it's only going to be five innings, and they just seem to end the innings whenever they want. So who knows how many at-bats he's going to get. And you get one pitch to look at him you're like, oh, how long is it going to be now until I see see another Vladdy at-bat? I got nothing, no information I could glean from that. Well,
1: in, in what you just said, I was thinking about this when I was watching the game. Like you're specifically pointing out a one pitch at-bat with Vladdy. I mean, you don't, so far, I mean, you've talked about Bo's home run, whatever, but many players had at-bats and of, you know, different degrees of success. And I was thinking about all of the things that are said about this kid all the time. As soon as he came up, how excited everybody was and how great his bat was, his bat-to-ball skills, his eye, his power, his contact hit the other way. Everybody was so excited. Obviously, there was a big uh, thing about his defense. You know, maybe he's not the greatest third baseman. Maybe he's not a major league ready third baseman. He comes up. It was like one of the most broadcast or the most viewed um, games of the entire season. The entire country was watching. Even the states was all over it. MLB was all over him mm-hmm. coming up, and the amount of pressure that he has had on him and the eyes that are on him because you're you're watching Vladdy's at bats differently than you're watching at least i am watching them different than differently than i'm watching anybody else's at bats he's 21 years old his season last year wasn't bad it was bad defensively absolutely he was one of the worst third basemans in all of baseball he was the worst empirically i think he was 30 of 32 is what i read all right um regardless let's say he was 32 (laughs) of 32 it's not like you know like victory um it's gotta be so difficult for him. And what really struck me when I was watching this game is how playful he is. Yeah. He's always laughing, he's joking around with people, he's putting his hand on people's helmets, he was covering the face of with his glove. Uh, you know, he 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 makes the joke to go to replay um on that really close pickoff play. That that's who he is. Yeah. And I think there's just gonna be a growing up thing with Vladdy where He's just a really playful, lovable kid. And maybe his work ethic is below some of those else on the team. And we're going to grow up with Vladdy and we're going to see him grow into being a man, but he's just not there yet. But we got to be patient with this kid. We're so fucking hard on.
0: Yeah. Well, were I
1: we, mean, we mean, everybody. Yeah, no, of
0: course. But I think we're, we're used to killers, you know, especially since 2015 that the team, the, the mindset of that team the identity of that team um and it's just kind of what we have come to respect and so we're not used to someone who who does have a different mindset someone plays a bit differently because um we just want that person who's gonna go out there and go hardcore every day
1: we might be used to killers but but we're also used to um overachievers, right? Like Bautista, overachiever. and Edmund Encarnacion, overachiever. Josh Donaldson, not, maybe not when he was, well, even when he was a Blue Jay, was overachieving probably to what we thought he would do. And certainly when he was an Oakland Athletic was overachieving to what they thought that he could do. Um, that's not Vladdy. Vladdy's had more hype around him than any prospect in the last like, many, many years. So we don't really know how to handle that. We're like, oh, we were said you're supposed to bat three fifty, and you're supposed to hit twenty home runs, and uh, you struck out. I don't, I don't know. So it's a different mindset with him, and we got to be patient because we're also not used to having such young players on our team. Yeah, how patient do we have to be, David? You gotta give him at least one more at bat (laughs) (laughs) before we get to his
0: next at bat.
1: Um, (laughs) Before we rip every little pitch and moment That he had in his next at bat
0: So Reese McGuire came up to the plate With the bases loaded And And he
1: jerked one And he stroked (laughs) one He stroked one and jerked it out of the park Publicly, everyone was watching (laughs) Finally we could see it Reese McGuire finally again Publicly jerks one (laughs) So it was loaded And he stroked it He stroked it. As he was up at the plate, I was like, it
0: almost feels like overpowered. Uh, Like in the gaming world, we say OP when something is is, uh, too powerful. Um, Having a catcher go up against like one of their own pitchers, like who they design, their at-bats, who they know exactly what they do in each count for him to be up there. And I was like, I feel like he's just going to manage something right now. And then right as I was thinking that, he just stroked
1: it it so hard. Yeah, and everyone yeah. was watching. Waggis pack. Uh, I mean, didn't look good.
0: No, no, he didn't. But not that he's even supposed to. No, but he didn't. But he was surprisingly serviceable and decent last season. You know, you don't expect him to go up there and give five runs in an inning. You know, you, you got if you're going to be patient with. Vlad, you got to be patient with some of these lesser pitchers.
1: Uh, I do want to talk about, because uh, for anybody that didn't see this inter-squad game, uh, the Blue Jays have sort of created this five-game series between Team Bo and Team Grishik. And what were your initial thoughts when Grishik was the captain of his team?
0: Um, why isn't Vlad a captain of a team? Why is, why is Vlad a player on Grishik's captained team? Um, The other thought was, and this is a question for you, but for me, it seems undeniable that this team as a whole is Bo Bichette's team. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, he is the leader and the captain of the 2020 Blue Jays. There are some really veteran dudes, especially pitchers who, you know, maybe might think it's their team but to me it's it's undeniable
1: for me i wondered if they chose grishik to be a captain because of the the stroman thing and where stroman said you know the entire country would rather have me than you and so it was a message from the team being like we're behind you grishik we love you you're one of our you're one of our captains but then i mean obviously also i thought that it's a message to Vladdy, like you don't deserve to be the the leader of this team yet, which, I I, again, when I was watching this game, I was like, relax. Stop sending this kid passive messages. He'll get there. Lay off. Um, Another thing, so it was Team Bo, Team Grishik, and they had um, a draft where they could draft um, players to be on their team, not pitchers, uh, because Pete Walker didn't want them to fuck with their schedules. But uh, Grishik picked first overall. He picked Vladdy. Yeah, and Bo's first pick, which surprised me greatly, was Teoscar Hernandez.
0: Wow, where did you see the like? Did did they show you what the draft order was? No, they talked about that? it
1: on the broadcast.
0: Ah, uh, see, I had a I had a couple of issues with my broadcast. I I recorded it on my Bell PVR, and just at random points, it would skip like thirty seconds. I'd be like, oh, what is going on? What did I miss? And there's like an at back
1: on. For those of you at home who. uh don't hear what Jacob's doing. He's making excuses for being too high to remember what he heard on the (laughs) broadcast. It happens a lot. You'll be able to hear it once you start to notice it for the first time. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to put you in the headspace of this first pick. So you're Grishik. You get the first pick overall. You agree with his pick of Vladdy or are you going somewhere else with that?
0: If, if If I can't pick Bo, then yeah.
1: Yeah, you can't pick Bo. Okay, so then now you're Bo, and you get to take the next guy. Who are you taking?
0: Um, I'm guessing pitchers are not part of this because pitchers... Yeah,
1: you you can't choose a pitcher, no. The pitchers were already... Pete Walker said you you can't draft pitchers because they're on a specific schedule. Yeah, right. And I don't want you fucking with that, so you can only pick position players for this draft.
0: That makes sense. I'd probably go with Gurriel first. Um, Maybe Biggio, but uh, probably... I mean, going with Hernandez, given that Biggio and Guriel haven't been here. They just got here like two days ago or something and maybe not um, have their timing down as much as someone like Hernandez who's been there since the beginning with them and who also has extreme power. I don't mind the pick of Hernandez, but if, if, if all things are equal, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Guriel.
1: Yeah, it was hard for me not to see the pick of Hernandez as some sort of... Um inner team politics of maybe you know giving him a confidence boost being like you put in some good work and you're having a nice you're looking good at the the plate you're looking good out in the field like I'm going to I'm going to pump your tires a little bit and I'm going to pick you first it's hard for me to believe that the the choice was made just on I'm going to give myself the best opportunity to win yeah because I would pick Guriel as well
0: right but he ended up getting Guriel, right he was on
1: yeah, but in a world where you don't know that's going to happen, which yeah. you would assume, unless it's like you know they're whispering in the clubhouse before, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. But, I mean, that would sort of defeat the purpose of having a draft anyway.
0: Yeah. I just wanted to touch here, too, on Ken Giles. Man. Because I I forgot how unhinged Ken Giles <laughs> seems to be. Like that man, he, he makes me so uncomfortable in such an exciting way. His first pitch was, it was a little bit up, a little bit out. And he looked like he was going to explode when he turned around after he threw that.
1: The fact that he can get himself into that state in an inner squad game with no fans is really impressive to me. And I would even go back further than his first pitch when they just <laughs> yeah, showed him, in, showed the him bullpen, in the bullpen. And like your eye just goes right to him. It's like you're watching like a, an animal in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought it would be really funny, not funny, but also awesome if uh, in a big moment he comes in to close the game in the crowd, like in theory, if there was a crowd there and they were going crazy, but his entrance music is actually Kenny G, like on the saxophone. (laughs) That that to me is terrifying.
0: He reminds me, this could be really like politically incorrect saying this, but he reminds me of that kid that you knew in elementary school that you all kind of like joked that he might be the one if someone was going to shoot up the school he's just got this quality to him that, that just, just seems terrifying to me and maybe it's just because i haven't got used to him this season and he's it just seemed like it could have been slightly heightened or but i think it's just because i haven't been around him for so long that i was worried he was going to punch himself or like but all of that scary ken giles is going to come back
1: It's like, it's like he had the gun and he was piecing it together in his bedroom and somebody caught him just at the right moment and handed him a baseball and said, (laughs) use this instead. Yeah. And he grabbed that baseball and he put the gun down. (laughs) That's totally, uh, totally, uh, politically incorrect, but it's absolutely true. Um, old Tony Alford, Anthony Alford hitting a dinger. Uh, I was thinking this and I thought this before he hit the dinger. Uh, Where are you with Anthony Alford? Because as a Blue Jays fan, there's been sort of this long drawn out thing. He was, you know, kind of a football star when he was younger and chose baseball. Didn't really have a lot of raw baseball skills, but he's incredibly athletic, really fast, well built, a lot of power, good potential on defense. But he's just never really been able to take that next step, whether it be injuries or just lack of performance or not getting enough reps because he's changing sports the ship is for me has sailed on him. I I don't think that he's going to take that next step. And then he hit that home run and I was like, maybe, Mm -hmm. but where are you with him?
0: Well, I was, it's funny. I was, I was thinking all of the same kind of things and wanted to talk to you about him. And I was even sitting there calling him Tony Alfred. I don't know why, but I was like, (laughs) are we going to start calling him Tony now? I I think he deserves a Tony after that bomb. (laughs) And, uh, the thing that really made me feel uncomfortable was when they bring up the graphic and they showed he hit 195 or something in 19 games last season. You're like, oh, right. Why? Why? Why, Tony? Come on, man. Um, <clears throat> Where am I at with him?
1: I... Well, let me give it more a specific question. Uh, you're, you pick him or Derek Fisher? Well,
0: we got to talk about Derek because – I can't answer that question without seeing him because the first place I saw him, sitting next to old Dante Bichette, the hitting whisperer. So I don't know. Derek Fisher might be amazing this season. Well, yeah. Because Dante Bichette...
1: He's Derek Fisher the same juice that he's clearly still taking at 56 years old. And they showed the camera on Dante Bichette. He had these massive veins popping out of his arm. He looked bigger than any of the players. He looked like he could still hit 40 bombs in the bigs.
0: This is something we've got to be on the watch for. Whoever Dante Bichette is hanging out with on the field, on the roster, if their performance gets better, as it seems like it's already happened with Grichik, and we can talk about that, because I'm I'm giving Dante all of the credit. If Grichik is good this season, it's because of Dante. And if now I'm watching Derek Fisher, because I think he's been he's taught Grichik everything he knows. He's he's their their Padawan Jedi relationship maybe is is coming to a conclusion, and Grichik is ready to become a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grichik
1: is ready to strike out eight less times, <laughs> but.
0: You know, I think I think Dante's found his next person. Dante watches on. Dante watches on. Because look, you even see it with Grichik. Grichik does not have the same mindset, the same swing. He's—I feel like his stroke is so short and so direct to the ball right now. It's such—it's such a flat swing too. Like I don't know if he was always approached. Um, I don't remember him getting a lot of high fastballs. But it seems like he's got a perfect swing to just slice that thing flat out of the air, hit some liners, not try and hit it over the fence, unless unless he gets that perfect hanging breaking ball, and then he, his swing can get a little bit longer. But right now, it looks like he's just, hit, like, that final at bat, he hits it the other way, nice, clean. He was doing a lot of that in the beginning of spring training before,
1: so... Let's just make sure that we answer this. You have to go back. You have to choose Alfred or Fisher.
0: Sorry. Sorry. Um, no, not no.
1: No apologies. Just uh, you're not weaseling out of this one. Well, like I said, though, I can't really answer it until I see Fisher. Well, you're going to answer it. Okay. Because I asked the question and here we are. You're going to have to go all in on one of these guys who are never going to amount to anything. So it really doesn't matter.
0: All right. I'll take Fisher because I saw him with Dante. Mm-hmm. It's purely a Dante based thing.
1: The actual moment was probably Dante just being like, Fisher, you're fucking terrible. I'll never work with you. I don't even like that you're sitting next to me.
0: Did you notice that shot of Danny Jansen just doing a huge spit while he's sitting right next to him?
1: No, was it? Are you saying that it was like he was like trying to impress him, like be like, yeah, I'm tough like you, too. No,
0: no, no. It wasn't. It it wasn't. uh, He was just by himself. He wasn't with Dante Bichette, the Hitting (laughs) Whisperer. He was just uh, sitting by himself and there they had this long shot of him sitting there and then he just kind of leans over. Kind of like, like he's about to puke or something and just spits on the ground. And then it sounds like he says something. I don't know who it was to you, maybe like defending that he spit. But I was just thinking about the directors of all of these broadcasts this season that are going to be just like on the like the button, like Hawkeyes, like week like we need to cut away instantly as soon as it looks like someone's mouth is going is going to oh, Yeah,
1: I I totally I I wasn't I wasn't clear about like what you were even talking about. I was like, hey, we spit, who cares?" I totally forgot they're not allowed to spit. So, yeah, yeah that's uh they're totally going to be doing that. Be like, "Get the camera off him. He's about to fucking He's about go. to spit." <laughs> but <laughs> the Canadian government's going to shut
0: this down. <laughs> There's there was a lot of elbow banging, a lot of butt slaps. So, I don't know what the deal is because it I doesn't think seem like are, they're trying to stop people. I think the people. players are
1: allowed to touch each other. I think the player. I mean, they're going to have to anyway. I mean, I thought
0: they know. were they weren't supposed to do high fives or or interact well, I mean, any butt slaps, anything like that. I thought that was in their, in the list of rules that they're not supposed to do.
1: Well, that's a ridiculous thing. I mean, all these guys are with each other in the dugout, and they're going to be you know potentially colliding with each other on the field. Um so it, it probably is in the list but it's it's not an attainable thing. Right. Do you think you're better than Caleb Joseph? Did you see his throw to second base? <laughs> yeah. It three-hopped. And then when they and then when Ken Giles came in to a warm up, he threw to second and he two-hopped it. I was like, "Dude, do you have a broken arm?" You're a major league catcher. What are you doing? I, it was, I don't mind it was like from his nice... knees, right? He was trying to throw it from oh, his Oh, I'm sorry. It's from his knees. I thought he was an adult male. Why can't he make it to second base? I could throw it from my knees to second base. I'm not saying it would be like a gun, but for what is he doing? And every time he skipped it, he like looked into the dugout like, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can I play the drums and be endearing to everyone again? That's my only value. It looked to
0: me like I don't know. If it, I I remember noting this too in my mind, and I don't know if he was an umpire or something that that saw it happen, and it seemed like he tried to to like acknowledge that it happened or be like. like to me, it sounded like he was like, "Yeah, you guys know I can't do that anymore, right?" Like he was just like open. <laughs> like I like, told yeah. you, I can't play anymore. Look, and this you- is what happens.
1: <laughs> Save me from myself. I told you I have no ligaments or tendons in my arm. (laughs) It's just one long stick of bone and I can only grenade toss the ball.
0: Yeah. Let's hope we don't have to see Caleb Joseph
1: at all. Yeah. That would be, that would be ideal. I'd like to see Reese McGuire publicly jerk it loaded. Yeah. I love
0: our catchers. I love Reese. I love Danny. Okay. I just want to ask a question here. If, has this ever been brought up or acknowledged or the rules around it we keep talking about this taxi squad being in buffalo if if our squad is in toronto if we need to call someone up because of an injury that day how does it work having players that are supposed to fill in in buffalo crossing the border and don't they need to quarantine then like i don't understand
1: how that works. I think they just have to play in a full astronaut's outfit. <laughs> then it's fine. No, I have no idea. I mean, I guess doesn't that it, make it doesn't make sense. sense because, because injuries are, you know, they happen in a second. You can't predict them. So I guess you have to have who you need on the team and then you have to be able to foresee who you might have to taxi in. But it, I guess you would have to quarantine, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, you would think so. And why do they need to be in Buffalo? Don't we have like other ballparks here? Like the U of T, like like isn't there other oh, they places- don't
1: want they don't want these little virusy athletes going anywhere outside that Rogers Center. they want yeah. all the virus to be in the dome, yeah, okay. they want it to float up to people doing the edge walk.
0: Did you notice anyone that you feel like could be poised for a breakout break season?
1: That's a good question. Because it's funny because you know, you talk about the the players that stick to your mind the most. And then when you watch the inter-squad game, you're like, oh yeah, you and you and you, I like you. But uh hmm. I will say, and obviously recency biased is uh a part of this, but I will say, and given last year's offensive production, Reese McGuire yep. thought that uh I'm excited to see what he can do um what is what do you mean by breakout like do you mean all-star
0: mm, no uh i'd maybe be an all-star of the team
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know just like really uh outdo their expectations
1: i'll go reese mcguire one and then i'll go rowdy tellez two and i think that's gonna put a lot of uh the thing that's difficult about rowdy being the guy who breaks out is that with Vladdy at first, it really puts the team in a compromised position of how they use him.
0: I don't see what the problem with having him be the majority DH hitter is. If he if he's hitting the ball consistently, and if he can hit lefties and righties, then I, I don't know why we need to be yeah, in this. Yeah, I
1: guess that's fair because with Shaw, it, it just being a straight swap where the old first baseman's going to Vladdy's old position, it's it, Rowdy's in the same position yeah, where that's what Shaw I thought. or... Yeah, that's fair. So oh, then, let's go. Reese one, uh, Rowdy two. Who do you have? I'm gonna go. Danny Jansen
0: one. Um, I could easily go Reese McGuire two, but I think uh, I think I'll go Gurriel two. I no, think... but
1: that, but that, see, then I don't necessarily understand the question because he broke out last year. Uh... like so. What do you mean, like break out? Like break mm-hmm. out again? Like just be a consistent good player? you think he's going to go even beyond what he did last year, I guess. I think he spent,
0: didn't he, he spent a lot of time injured last year. Like he couldn't stay on the field. But when
1: he was on the field, he was like 900 OPS.
0: Yeah. And I guess, I think he'll, I guess I'm I'm thinking that he can be better. And Mm -hmm. if he's, if he's healthy consistently, then it's going to feel like a massive breakout because if he's as good as he could be in in the stints when he was healthy and when he was hot, if he can put that over the course of a, a full season, I think that is an all star. And think I think that's the type of player that, you know, is not being talked about a lot right now as our core, especially from outsiders who are following the Blue Jays that think that that, uh, Bachette, Biggio and Guerrero are the are
1: the core. Really, it's not going to feel like a, a breakout. It's going to feel like almost unsatisfied if somebody gets really hot because it's only 60 games. So it's really like calling somebody up in August and them going off. And then you're like, ah, I wish that could keep going. I wish we could see more of that. Yeah. It, it won't feel like a fully realized thing.
0: That's true. I don't know about you, but I kind of I kind of want to see more intra-squad games. And especially like going forward, like next spring training, I'd... I feel like I'd rather watch intra-squad games than have to watch crappy spring training games against players I don't know on other teams. At least, like, you're always watching a Blue Jay.
1: Yeah, on, you're on always watching sides. a Blue Jay. But one thing also is, like, that was a full Sportsnet broadcast with, you know, good lighting and camera angles and stuff like that. When they're in Dunedin and they broadcast those spring training games, the the camera angle's not quite the same. they don't have as many angles as well. And it's like, it's not satisfying in that way as well. So it was better feeling like that was a full broadcast last night. Yeah. But don't you like not feeling like this
0: is going to be the most boring half inning ever. I've got some blue Jays pitcher. I barely know pitching against prospects from the Phillies system. Like kill me now, at least now you like, yeah, spring training games suck.
1: They suck. The only thing I like about spring training games is the crack of the bat. It's a more uh, authentic sound because when they get in the, the field and there's all kinds of fans there with the broadcast and the mics and whatever, it doesn't sound like that. But in uh, spring training, you can really hear this crack of the bat. Anything else
0: you wanna, you wanna ask me or you wanna mention about this uh, game before we wrap it up here, Davey?
1: No, just that it was good to see the boys back on the field. It's good to feel like games are actually going to start happening. Going to Boston next week for two games, and then we're Mm -hmm. in Tampa for the start of the season. God knows where the Blue Jays are going to be playing. In Toronto, in Buffalo, in Dunedin, in Russia. I'm just excited that games are going to happen. There's going to be actual stats, meaningful at-bats, it's a tough time going on in the world right now, but I think that this gives you a little bit of excitement, a little bit of hope, and it was really nice to see some familiar faces, even if they were partially covered by masks.
0: Tonight we got Bo and Grich going up against each other again. Do you think Bo's going to sweep Grich? They're apparently up 2 nothing now.
1: No, Gritch team's going to come back tonight because, as we just said, Vladdy's going to launch. Right. Unless he needs a day off. I've oh, Gotta stop. I'm not gonna say that about Vladdy more. Open mind, positivity. Vladdy's gonna launch tonight. Grish is gonna win their first game, two-one. I mean, uh, games in the series, not the final score.
0: All right. Well, we'll see what happens tonight, and we'll uh, we'll be we'll be back tomorrow to break it all down again.